May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I trust all of you are having a good weekend and anxiously awaiting the arrival of the holidays next week. Honestly, can you believe we are here? Thanksgiving on Thursday, Advent begins a week from today, and Christmas will be here before you know it. I apologize if I have depressed you by how fast time is going, but then again, if you're looking forward to the holidays, I don't apologize for that. I have to say, normally, as I've, I think I've gotten pretty good at cranking out a sermon. Normally it takes me a day of locking myself in my office and I can have something I'm proud of by the end of that. But this week was a little, it took me a, a whole week to get this one done. And I have to say, I'm, it, uh, with what happened in the world last week and preaching on Christ the King Sunday, um, it was a little tough and a little, I, I had raw emotions as I was going through this. I, because of something I learned in seminary, and I'll explain this if you've never heard these terms, but we learned the process of embedded versus deliberate theology. Those are some good old seminary words for you. Embedded theology is the things that we learn as a child or as, as we're growing up that stick with us. Um, and deliberate theology is when we come to maturity and we test those things which we were taught at a young age. And I went through that as I was... Uh, you'll see where the connection comes in towards the end of the sermon, but just watching and feeling the emotion um, and not even being directly involved with what happened in Paris... Um, I know it, we were praying for Reed as he was over there a few days after all of that happened, and it's good that he's back with us today. And I know a lot of other people had connections to a lot of the other atrocities going on across the world last week. And then you jump on social media, and for every one thing that was said that might have been good towards what had happened in the world last week, there was about 20 things that you're just, what are you people saying? What are you thinking? And um, it got to the point where I had to turn it off and say, go back to my foundation of Christ the King. If you're familiar with the liturgical calendar, today is actually the end of the Christian year. It is referred to as the last Sunday of Pentecost, the feast of Christ the King, or the feast of the reign of Christ. Today we are reminded that the journey we've been on since the beginning of the Advent season in 2014 is a journey that asks us to submit our lives to the reign of God through the person of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to speak about Jesus Christ as king or ruler? Terms that Americans don't really understand as well. What kind of rule are we actually talking about? After all, we all have experiences, hopefully good and some most likely bad, of being governed and shaped and even forced by powers greater than us to do things that we don't want to do. We find ourselves subject to areas such as economics or politics um, that are beyond our control. We do the best we can to have a thriving economy, especially in Jackson, but the world economy isn't doing so well. Despite all the advances in modern-day medicine, we are all bound by our physical nature. 
Even as the church, we can't control changes in the culture around us that make it difficult for us to proceed in the ways and the traditions that we have become accustomed to. We don't have automatic status in the world any longer. So you see, we know about authority and the rule uh, in both some positive and negative ways. When did that really start? We don't like being told what to do, do we? <laughs> we don't. Our society was founded on the notion that at least our political conscience is ours and no one can take that from us. We can have rights that protect our own privacy so we can carve out spaces in our own lives where we do feel that we are in control and where we aren't under the rule of something else or somebody else. The Puritans that first came to these shores rejected the concept of monarchy and they had one king and that king was Jesus. They often spoke in those terms, King Jesus. That eventually led to our revolution, but we are left asking the question, how do we deal with this king that we still celebrate today? When the Puritans would say we only have one king, they did not mean that they were not under the rule of Jesus. They meant that they weren't under the rule of anyone else in order that they may devote themselves to complete discipleship, in order that they may fully devote themselves to the will of Christ so that they may have the time and leisure, if you will, to discern the will of Christ to order their lives accordingly. So we come back to that question, how are we to understand Jesus as ruler? And I don't mean in the Catholic school sense. Every time we say Jesus is Lord, we are pretty much referring to the same thing, Jesus as king, after all, they are fairly synonymous. What does it mean to be under the rule and authority of Jesus Christ? As we ponder the question, let's consider the gospel we just heard. We have the arrest of Jesus right before the crucifixion. It just doesn't seem like the right time of year to be talking about the crucifixion just yet. But there is a point. We go right into the trial of Jesus where good old Pontius Pilate asks the question, are you a king? Jesus replies, you say that I am, but my kingdom is not of this world. Here we have one of those lines where it's actually good to know the original translation in Greek, which says, those who are of the truth, listen to my voice and obey me. So what is the truth that Jesus testifies to that he expects us to submit to? That truth is clearly wound into the gospel, according to John. As Jesus explained, this truth shall, shall set you free from the enslavement of sin. The message here, the truth he refers to, is that God is love and that God calls us out of death into life. No matter what we have done to separate ourselves from the purity and goodness of God, no matter how enslaved we are to sin, just as the Hebrews were enslaved to Pharaoh, Jesus calls us into an exodus, into the light, from the dark days of Good Friday to the glory of the resurrection. This might sound like a sentimental and weak gospel. Some people despise Christianity because of this message. To them, it sounds as if we have, if we have been let off the hook, as if we don't have to think about our sins, addictions, or weaknesses. This is not the case at all or what Jesus is saying. Where is the sentiment in those that hear the truth and obey it will rise to glory 
and those that don't will perish. He is saying that the truth is God's love and it is for everyone, even when we least deserve it. This love is something that we should accept or we cannot have life. That is the message and what Jesus testifies to with his entire ministry, life, and resurrection. In the spirit bestowed upon us for one purpose only, that our hearts may be broken so that we are willing and able to accept the love of God in Christ, even when we know we don't deserve it. And as I alluded to at the beginning, and more importantly, to take the same message of love to people that we may not think deserve it. How hard is that? As Christians and disciples, we are called to take the message of God's mercy and abundant love to people that we might not even like. How countercultural to say to someone else, you know what? You've screwed up. And I know I have too. Let's walk into the kingdom of God together. Let us submit to the truth that Jesus embodies and brings into our lives. God's word for us is love. Take time in the changing of the seasons to give thanks for the many blessings over and on your lives. But in preparation for the coming of the Christ child, as we start Advent next week, know what it means to forgive and to be forgiven. It really is hard to do. After all, a lot in us fear failing at loving other people. Even harder to forgive those that hurt us or other people and to accept the fact that God calls them into this kingdom as well. There's a third thing which makes it really hard that we often miss that Pilate says to Jesus. We stopped just short of this important line with the gospel today. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I came into the world to testify to the truth. And those that are of the truth hear my voice, voice and they obey. Pilate retorts with, what is truth? He doesn't ask what the truth is, but simply, what is truth? In other words, he is so cynical and jaded that he has lost faith that there is a possibility of an ultimate reality against which we can compare the evidences of our lives. Truth is nothing more than the evidence of something being in line with reality. What if you think there is no reality that can be counted on? What if you think there, there is no there, there is no center of the universe? There are lots of people in this world who do not think that there is an ultimate reality that they can count on that everything is fluid, unpredictable, and in freefall. In other words, the order we find in our lives is something that we build for ourselves. Jesus is saying something different. He is saying that we don't need to construct a reality to meet our own needs. The reality is already there, and it is God that is love at the heart of all things who calls us into infinite and eternal participation in this love. That's the truth that Jesus refers to and the basis for all truth. I don't feel that I've taught you some new great ideal today, but that I have just returned to the heart of what it means to be Christian. I see this lived out week to week amongst you, ministry of generosity to those that deserve it and those that probably don't. May the truth set you free. Let us close the liturgical year and open the next on this constant encircling of the truth. Amen.